Y'all are listening to the Maverick of Marketing Radio Show. And now, here's your host, Shannon Maverick. Good Monday morning, everyone. This is your host, Shannon Maverick of Maverick of Marketing Radio, and I am so excited for this episode. I'd probably say that every week, but this week particularly so, because we are finally touching on one of my passion projects that I've been wanting to start on Maverick of Marketing, and that's highlighting the dominating force of women in kind of untraditional industries. And our guest this morning is one of my favorite people. I've been speaking with her for a while now, and it was just finally the stars aligned, and I'm so excited to have her on. That and I should probably tell you who it is. It's Miss Rachel Camarillo of um, the Women in Manufacturing Washington chapter. She's actually the founding member and board chair. So she's going to talk to us all about her passions for um, women in manufacturing and what inspired her to start the Washington chapter and a little bit more about the group. So that is later to come, but I'm excited about some. Very cool news that's going on in B2B, but firstly, Mr. Tyler Kern, good morning. Good morning. How are you, Shannon? <laughs> I'm great. I was just hearing all about your weekend in Austin. Yes, yes. Had a couple of good friends get married over the weekend, so Aww. went down to a wedding in Austin and came back and watched the Super Bowl last night, obviously. Yeah, well, that sounds like fun. And yeah, so I think it's not a surprise that I'm not the biggest fan. I, not that I'm not a fan of football. I just don't quite get um, super jazzed about sure. sitting down <laughs> for like a five-hour event. So um, I did watch the Super Bowl. Congrats to the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, big, Patrick big congrats. Yeah. I do know him. He's a Texas guy. Texas guy, yeah. <laughs> so um, stunning kind of victory in the last half of the game. But Something that I found even more interesting than the game itself is that this was actually the first Super Bowl to be outfitted in 5G technology. Yes. So we've been hearing a lot about 5G. Um, it's kind of one of the buzzwords going around in the connectivity market, the B2B market. And it was pretty cool to see Verizon outfitted the Miami Stadium entirely in mm -hmm. 5G technology. So what does this mean? They spent $80 million getting the stadium outfitted with all of the electrical connectivity boxes, fiber optics, that whole thing. Why is that important? Well, 5G is 100 times faster than existing 4G. So specifically for monetary value, it allows guests and fangoers to be able to more easily download apps, stream things quicker to their phones. Um, the NFL is even launching an app called OnePass that allows um, viewers to have multi-cam live streams of the game, yada, yada, yada. So that's great for advertisers and companies to be able to stream more ads to these platforms. Yes. So that they can get their monetary value back onto it. So it's great for the fans. It's great for businesses. Definitely. Interesting technology. Yeah, yeah. I, I Like the, the ability to share information in real time in these stadiums and yeah. like kind of at these events um, is incredibly intriguing, both for, like you mentioned, that, that fan engagement perspective mm -hmm. of, you know, pushing real-time updates to fans and, you know, providing AR-type applications for uh, stats and for advertisements mm -hmm. and things like that, I think are incredibly, and even wayfinding, I think those are incredibly intriguing applications for 5G in stadiums. And so, um, again, it's it's one of those things that once it's more widely used, I think it's going to completely change that experience for everybody. Yeah. I mean, this was only the first giant scale um, launch that we've mm -hmm. had of this technology, like you're saying, in a stadium environment. I've been, when I went to A&M, trying to get a cell signal at Kyle Field, forget about it. Oh, it like, was brutal. Yeah. There's no Instagramming going on, no yep. Snapchatting, nothing. And so same thing whenever I've been to um, AT&T Stadium in, in Dallas. 
in Arlington, excuse me. So it's interesting, the thought of having a more kind of mobile and connected platform to enhance that fan experience. So interesting. I found that more interesting than the game itself, but that's just because I'm not a football person. That is fair. That is <laughs> so, fair. Um, but something that I actually find even more interesting that I just was reading on on CNN Business over the, the weekend mm-hmm. is Walmart is kind of breaking the supply chain, if you will, in meat processing and meat manufacturing. So I found this particularly timely with IPPE going on, the International Production and Processing Expo that just happened last week in Atlanta. What does this mean for the food supply chain for Walmart? So last week, they opened their own meat packaging plant in South Georgia. Oh, that I didn't even realize IPPE was in Atlanta and they just opened this facility. So that's interesting. Just right down the road. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So what does that mean? They're going to be able to sell their own brands of steaks, roast, um, cuts, different types of meat to have their own brand. So that totally interrupts the entire meat processing chain that's been happening. Mm -hmm. Costco's actually done the same thing, but with their poultry division that we can talk about in a second. But while they do own the plant, I found it interesting, they don't actually own the cows, they don't butcher the meat, and they actually don't even operate the facility. It's all done by third-party um, kind of hands in the situation. But interesting. they own the plant, so it allows them to sell just like you would sell uh, Walmart-branded, mm-hmm. I don't know, chips. You can now get Walmart-branded meat. Really? Yeah. So for the there's basically four companies that own the I was trying to think of the word earlier, quadopoly. I don't know. I don't know what it, it would be. Um, I but, know what you're getting at when yeah, you say that. But though. Walmart that um, traditionally was buying its beef from Tyson and Cargill, who mm-hmm. are kind of the two main players. And actually, Walmart is Tyson's largest account. Wow. So what does that mean for Tyson when we're talking about Walmart totally diverging from their partnership with them? It's a great question. It means a lot of interesting things for the end consumer if you shop at walmart it's probably a good thing because you're going to get a lower price on meat but if you shop somewhere else that's tyson's largest account so any other accounts that they sell into kroger costco i don't know it means that they're going to have to increase that price in order to offset losing walmart so i think it's something that we'll keep seeing um unfold as i mean walmart's really only piloted this in the georgia area it only supplies meat to 500 of its stores Mm -hmm. um so something that we'll keep seeing but it's interesting it's very interesting. It feels like one of those things that is a response to Amazon in a way, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Amazon has done a lot to cut out various middlemen, be it you know having their own fleet for shipping and that sort of thing, and kind of reducing their reliance on FedEx and other you know kind of third-party shipping companies. Um, you know, and so Amazon has their own planes. I saw an Amazon semi driving through Central yeah. Texas, you know, saying like you know this is prime on the back or whatever. And I was like, oh, that's Amazon right there. You know, so Amazon's doing that. So Walmart's saying, okay, where are some areas where we can increase operational efficiencies, mm-hmm. right? And, and create these areas where we are cutting out middle people and doing it ourselves um, and kind of streamlining things that way. And I think this is uh, an interesting way. I'm interested to see how this goes. Yeah, and I found it interesting too. Um, and the article goes on and um, Bob McLaren, he's a Texas cattle rancher, one of um, the ranchers that I guess Tyson and Cargill buy their their meat supply from. He was saying one of the things that's always hindered the cattle industry is the multiple, multiple hands that are involved in the supply chain. So I think it's, he's saying that for the, in, for the rancher, it's going to be better because they don't have to go through um, the the feedlot where they have to go and and get them beefed up. They don't have to go through Tyson to then go to the end 
to the next seller to then go to the end customer. They're kind of cutting out a few of those middlemen to help secure prices that way. So I don't know. And they've also, Walmart's tested this idea through milk processing as well. They opened their own milk processing plant um, last October, I think it was. And um, so I think Walmart's kind of, when you think about any kind of food or getting your groceries from anywhere or uh, cutting costs, you think of Walmart. So this is just kind of the next step in that in that evolution. Yeah, I so, agree. I know. It's interesting. I don't know. I guess we'll continue to see how that affects. I mean, they only opened it last week, the processing plant. So it's still a pilot at this point. But if you shop at Walmart in the South Georgia area, let me know. Are the prices lower? I'm curious. I'm curious as well. <laughs> okay. So speaking of manufacturing, I'm so excited. We'll go to a quick commercial break here. And when we come back, Miss Rachel Camarillo, uh, the founding member and board chair of the Women in Manufacturing Washington chapter. It's going to be talking to us all about the things women in manufacturing. So stay tuned. Hey, everyone. This is Kevin Stevenson. Listen to my show, I Don't Care, on Friday mornings at 9.30 a.m. Central Time. We'll be diving into a wide variety of interesting healthcare topics that you may not find anywhere else. Find us on marketscale.com and be sure to subscribe on iTunes or Spotify. All right, everyone, we are back. This is your host, Shannon Maverick of Maverick of Marketing Radio. And I have joined with me one of my favorite people. She's just a ray of sunshine coming to us from Seattle, Washington, one of my favorite places, Miss Rachel Camarillo. Rachel, how are you this morning? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me, Shannon. Oh my gosh, are you kidding? I was so, so stoked whenever I reached out to ask you to speak about this amazing, amazing chapter that you've founded in Washington. I couldn't be more honored that you're here to share your knowledge with us in this topic. So thanks so much. I would love mm -hmm. if you could start um, kind of with your background in manufacturing. It's obviously a passion of yours. It's something that you've devoted most of your life to at this point. So what kind of started you in a career of manufacturing? Yeah, um, I was recruited into the industry um, in 2014 and moved to Seattle from Spokane, where I spent a lot of time in hospitality and restaurants. Uh, I was recruited over from North Star Ice to come and work as their controller. And soon after, I assumed uh, the role that was designed for me as a director of operations and finance, kind of overseeing everything in the plant and day-to-day -day operations. And the company at that time was in a big transition with leadership, and they were also facing imminent retirement that would continue to change the makeup of their staff. I mean, they had amazing retention, and so people were working there for like 35, 40 years. So it was kind of brought in to help stabilize the environment. And I didn't have my heart set on manufacturing per se, but what it, because what I love to do really is build teams and creating environments where magic happens when employees are engaged in, in, in their work. And when I got to manufacturing from an employee standpoint, when you think about the things that are, they're making and the pride that they take in what they're making, and you take it a step forward and you really highlight for them and show them how connected they are to the rest of the world, um, you can see the sparks fly up and you can see the energy. And that's kind of the, the magic I live for. I live for that. I'm making this and I'm working like five days to 
you know, on the production line to make this, and this is going to build a dam, you yeah. know, and this is going to go make ice for pe- millions of people who are eating these fish. And so that connection and that spark that you see and that pride, that's, that's kind of what I live for. It's like the magic happens when people feel a greater purpose in what they're doing. And I, I mean, just the amount of exposure that I've had to the cool things that we make here in America and especially here in Seattle, uh, it's, it's been an honor and super amazing to see. It, it just really makes you feel small in this world, but so much more connected. I love that. Yeah, Seattle's such a great hub for manufacturing. I go up there almost every summer to escape the Texas heat. So Washington and Seattle have a very special place in my heart. And I love that you have such a passion for for team building. And congrats to you. I was reading that uh, the Washington chapter is coming up on your one-year anniversary uh, on the 8th. So that's got to feel so special. Um, So as you've kind of started this group and as you've gotten into manufacturing coming from the food and bev space and hospitality space, how have you seen women become a more prominent force in this industry? Uh, Obviously, it inspired you to start the Washington chapter. And as you've seen these teams grow and starting this awesome networking opportunity, Opportunity, how have you seen that become an important place for growing and supporting more women in this industry? Yeah, I think women, and you know, when you talk about women being a prominent force in the manufacturing industry, I, I really feel that in general, it's in all industries. You know, women in general are starting to mobilize and they're understanding that in order to really make an impact in the workforce, no matter what industry, we got to work together and we got to take action. You know, we can't sit on the sidelines. We have to take action and it's not enough in, in anymore to succeed on your own. You've got to reach up or reach across yourself or reach, reach down and pull people up with you. And we see tons of women in cloud, women in bio, women in everything. Um, so it's not just in manufacturing, but I am really grateful to play a tiny role in supporting women in the manufacturing industry. <laughs> With regards to women in manufacturing, um, you know, they say that while women make up about half of the workforce population in the U.S., they only make up a third of those working in the manufacturing workforce. And that's a huge, huge area that we can help impact. Um, And I think for a long time, manufacturing was thought of as a really dirty job, only meant for males. But the industry is changing. There's so much technology happening and the jobs that are required, the skills that are required um, are very different than they were, you know, 50 years ago. And so there's room. There's room for everyone from the shop floor all the way up to the CEOs and investors and businesses and manufacturing. Um, and we need capable people who are working alongside these robots for able <laughs> to service these sophisticated software programs, you know. So, and I, I also think that companies are really recognizing that there's a diversity of, of thought, whether it's in the boardroom or on the shop floor, is really good for business. So um, it's happening everywhere. And I'm, I'm glad that I'm, I'm helping to bring that to the manufacturing space. 
Yeah, I love that. You're so right. There's so much technology coming into the manufacturing space. You said it best. I mean, we need people on the floor amongst these these robots and these big automation tools. So I love that. And I couldn't yeah. agree more. It's not just manufacturing that women are, are becoming a really dominating force in, but we're just starting with that today. So um, can't wait to explore that more. But so what brought you then to start the chapter in Washington? And could you share a little bit more about the group and why it's unique from the other 22 chapters that are active um, in the country. Yeah. Well, so have you ever heard of women in manufacturing um, kind of before we started talking or? I had just because I'm being in the realm of B2B. I am so passionate about this industry, um, but I don't know the specifics oh. behind it. So I'm sure you were saying that your cool, specific cool. chapter is pretty unique. It is. And, and so I found Wim on the web and, you know, I think they got me with their, with their tagline, which is, you know, my, our mission is to support, promote and inspire women who currently work in the manufacturing industry. And when I read it, I was like, Oh my gosh, that's me, that's me. <laughs> and I was kind of, I was kind of a little giddy and I was, I was at this place in my, in my time, in my current position. And I was just like, am I the only one, you know, I'm, I had other women working with me in in the company and but I just felt this like desperation of I'm so no one gets it no one gets it and um, I went out there and I tried to look for some support from other organizations and all common you know it was a very common thing that I was either the only manufacturer in the room or the only woman in the room wow and I was like why can't I find one that kind of blends it all together you know <laughs> where are all these women running these amazing businesses why are they hiding? And so I reached out to the national office and they're, they um, are based in Ohio and they spun out of precision metal forming, um, the precision metal forming association. And their presence is very big on the Midwest and on the East coast. And I was kind of hesitant. Like, I don't know a lot of people in Seattle, you know, I had just moved here, but something kept tugging me and that energy kept pulling me. And I was like, if I feel this way, there must be other people that feel this way as well. Right. So I kind of went with it, found an amazing group of women who have the same kind of passion and drive to make a difference within our, our little um, manufacturing space here in the Puget Sound area. And um, I look at it like, you know, people ask me, hey, how is this chapter going to make change? So that's that change, the kind of change that you say you want to um, make here in our area. And it's kind of a, the circle of change. We're not going to do it on our own. But I feel like, you know, there's so many great programs invested in providing exposure to STEM-related fields to women to make them consider manufacturing as a viable career. Mm-hmm. But when they get into the industry, who, who got them? If they're not working for a bigger company that has women-specific focus groups in a support network, they're going to feel like I felt. And so I feel like this organization, we can work together with those organizations that are recruiting people into the field and exposing them to STEM related um, uh, expertise. And we can say, hey, we got them. Now that they're here, we're going to help. We're going to help those companies retain them. We're going to give them support. We're going to focus on their development so that they want to stay in the industry. And then I'm excited to watch that come full circle where when we have more women in the industry that are proud and vocal about their careers in manufacturing, 
other people will then get more inspired to join the industry, you know, because it, it's, a, it's an association thing. I don't think that I can be successful there in that space because I haven't seen someone successful there in that space. And so the more we promote and change the perception of women working on the shop floor or working uh, with all these robots, the more we can impact the perception of it. So it's such a circle. And um, WIM is an amazing organization. And um, I think the key differentiator with our chapter from a lot of other chapters, I, I honestly think it sounds so cliche, but it's our vibe. I really think um, <laughs> there's a different there's a different energy. And I don't know. I like that you, you said, oh, this is very sunshine. Like, I feel like that's what I want to do. I want to bring sunshine to everybody. I want them to be excited about the, what they're doing in the industry and for the world, you know, and um, that they should be proud of it and that we want to give something extra, a little extra thought when they come to these events with us. It's not just another thing. We want to bring value so that they continue to be inspired when they go back into their businesses so they can, they can do what they're going to do because they're already awesome, you know? They mm-hmm. just need a little, like, kick and reminder, so... <laughs> I love that. And I think it's even more inspiring that you had just kind of come in, not only to Seattle, but into this industry, and you were searching for kind of that community. And you saw that you'd be more uplifted and you'd have amazing time talking to other women in the same situation as you. And so you didn't just sit back and kind of look around and say, gosh, I don't know what to do. You went out and you did it. And I love that you took the initiative and you totally are the most amazing ray of sunshine, Rachel. (laughs) Your little yellow flower in your ears (laughs) says it all. (laughs) And could you kind of speak (laughs) to, I know um, you said that you founded it about a year ago now. So how have you kind of seen the state of manufacturing in Washington? You'd mentioned there's a dominant force in the Midwest and on the East Coast. So would you say that manufacturing in Washington is growing and that kind of inspired you to start this as, as the, the workforce is growing and the industry of itself is growing or just kind of, can you speak to your expertise on how or what the state of manufacturing as an industry is in Washington? Yeah, I think that people don't really associate manufacturing with Washington. I never did. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that when you think about Seattle, when you think about Washington, you're like, oh, there's beautiful mountains, you know, the Puget Sound. But you don't think about manufacturing. But when you look at the list of all these manufacturing companies that, you know, of course there's Boeing here um, in the Seattle area, but there's tons of suppliers that supply things to Boeing, but also that might only be 10 to 20% of their business. You know, they're, wow. they're supplying other things to other industries as well. So of all of these suppliers and people that are making these amazing things, I think um, putting Seattle on the map for that is, is important. Um, and I think I found a group of people just with networking um, within the manufacturing space that want to make sure that we're successful and we continue to be successful. We don't lose that um that pride in what we're making here. I mean, all these things that were made here, I mean, we have a Alberto, Starbucks, mm-hmm. um, just crazy things other than aerospace. Well, aerospace is super important, but there's a lot of other things that are being made here. And so I think with the tech space combined with the manufacturing, now you're seeing, wow, 
we can really make a difference here in the world because we've got all these smart techie people creating all these softwares and automation and and everything. And now you're coming into a space that is so, I, I want to say, maybe behind the times with regards to technology. Um, maybe they're not exposed or even think that they are capable of implementing this type of technology to get to make business gains. Um, but now you're seeing them come in the same space. You know, it's not like we're competing against tech companies for really good um, labor or or candidates. We need those people in our businesses, you know. So I think for the Seattle and Washington area where it's mostly thought of as techie, um, it's a huge opportunity for these industries to really work together and really keep us on the map. I couldn't agree more. I I have always thought of Seattle as being kind of like you just said, the tech hub. But as we're seeing more and more technology and automation moving into the manufacturing space, I think, honestly, Seattle's probably set up to be one of the best hubs for manufacturing because they already have that support from some of the biggest automation and tech companies. So great to hear that there's a great marriage that's going to be happening. And that just only means the chapter and the group will keep growing. So that's so exciting. I hope so. (laughs) And uh, throughout your, your career, whether it be marketing related, whether it be manufacturing related, has there been somebody that's had uh, an impact on your career, someone that you've really gained inspiration from, and you can either name them directly or just simply talk about the impact that they've had on your career thus far? I thought about that. I've been so blessed with so many really amazing mentors and people that have inspired me. And especially through my time at Red Lion in Spokane. Uh, but when you talk about somebody that I gain inspiration from consistently, don't laugh. I'm going to say it's Mama Oprah. Oh, <laughs> I, feel, I, feel I like love that. She, <laughs> I feel like what Oprah stands for and the way that she uses this genuine conversation um, and her ability to just have these like soul awakening conversations to connect us more. Um, and it's like everything that she touches or that everything that I consume, the content I consume that's Oprah brand makes me feel a certain way, you know? And um, I was able to go to the live, you, live the life you want tour when she was here in Seattle a few years ago with my sister and it was like life changing. And what I love about her and why I gain inspiration from her is because she, no matter where she's working or what she's doing, you know, um, when you're rooted in who you are, um, you can't go wrong. Mm-hmm. And that's really powerful because when you're as a woman working in whatever industry you're working in, and especially in manufacturing, when you have to stand your ground and you have to establish yourself, you know, um, it's, it's a big, huge I guess, advantage that you're going to have when you really know who you are, when you're truthful about that, and then when you want to make those authentic connections with other people, that's how you're going to make it. That's Mm -hmm. how you're going to be remembered, and that's how you're going to really, like, make a difference. And so I love everything Oprah 
love it love it love it i couldn't be more happy that you gave her a shout out because <laughs> i couldn't agree more i mean i think the the reason why oprah's kind of i think has stood the test of time and will stand the test of time is because she's built a name for herself by uplifting others just like you're saying she's yeah. always shining a light on other people she's inspiring people she's talking about relevant topics that are just issues that people need to think about and then making sure everyone brings it back internally to think differently about themselves. And she's made a name and is as iconic as she is because she's just uplifting. I think that's the best word to describe her. Yeah. So I would never laugh at you having that as your, um, <laughs> your inspirational figure. Well, I've never like had coffee with her or anything, but I feel <laughs> like we're kindred <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, well, great. I love that you gave her a shout out. That's the perfect person um, for this episode. And as we kind of wrap things up, and you're coming up on your one year anniversary of um, founding the Washington chapter of women in manufacturing, there has to be some exciting things in this new decade that we're in that you're looking forward to for 2020. So what are some of those things we can expect yeah. to see from the group? So for 2020, uh, our our, chap, our leadership team has really, really uh, intentionally planned out a really good series of events. And I dubbed it the Grow With Us series, you know, uh, grow as we're growing a chapter and come grow with us and invest in your development. So I'm using the hashtag grow with us all year long. We just had a leadership panel in January. In March, we're going to be having a mentoring session, which is it's going to be titled Modern Mentoring Approaches, with um, featuring Lisa Fain, who is the CEO of the Center for Mentoring Excellence, and she's also the co-author of a new book launching this month, cool. Bridging Differences for Better Mentoring. So she's going to be coming and talking about mentoring specific to women in manufacturing. In April and May, we're launching focus dinners, and I swear, I want to come up with a better catch your name but right now we're calling it functional focus dinners where coming off of our mentoring workshop we're going to create an opportunity for women to come together with people in a small intimate group with others who work in the same function in manufacturing so all hr all sales and marketing all finance and have a chance to develop peer-to-peer -peer relationships so it's another way for people or for women um to say, hey, I'm struggling in this. Who can I call that understands exactly what I'm going through because they work for a manufacturing company and they do exactly what I do. How can yeah. we work through this together? Have they gone through it? You know, so developing those relationships. So I think those dinners are going to be really exciting just to see people form their own relationships. Wow. Um, in June, we're having a networking strategies workshop where now you've got some mentorship under your belt you've got some some support one-on-one -on -one support with your peers from those focus centers now it's time to kind of branch out and see you know linkedin is not just to look for a job you know mm -hmm. and and getting out there to go to events you've got to go out there to meet other people and so the importance of networking for women in manufacturing and then you can give me a drum roll <laughs> uh, in october we are having a WIM conference um, in Kent, Washington. It'll be a two-day conference, and this one is a real big one for us as only being a year old. Um, was really a testament to the strength and the passion of our leadership team, and we're shooting high. Um, 
And it's also a testament to how much support we have in our local communities because Kent is helping us sponsor this two-day conference where we're going to have plant tours and full-day workshops of development and really cool um, hands-on manufacturing activities. So that's kind of what we've got for the year. And then we're also planning some targeted targeted expansion efforts around Washington outside of the Puget Sound area. So I hope to maybe head back to Spokane at some point this year to host an event so that we can kind of get the entire state involved in what we're doing and what we've established here in the Seattle area. Sure. Well, holy smokes, that is a jam-packed year. <laughs> that's going to keep it you is, busy. It is. <laughs> but that's incredible. I feel incredible. like this could be a full-time job, but uh, it, it, it is really fun. But the reward, the reward comes when you... At the end of the, the session, the workshop that you do, then you these women come up for you, and not much of women, men too, and they just say, "Wow, that was awesome! I feel so great," and you know that was exactly what I needed today, and and that's where I know we're doing the right thing. So oh. uh, we're excited to continue growing this. How fulfilling. That's incredible. So if you're up in the Washington area, you've got to make sure to check out the group. Sounds like there's some incredible mentoring opportunities, that conference in October. Wow, I'm jealous. I might need to come up there and attend one of those sessions because I'm just so inspired by how much you are wanting to impact the community and... It's just so such a great group to to be a part of. So um, I'll link some more stuff um, in the write up that we'll have for the show, uh, linking to women in manufacturing and specifically the Washington chapter for my listeners that are out in that area. And Rachel, thank you so much for coming on and talking with us and just helping grow um, women in kind of untraditional industries. It's very inspiring. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Shannon. I appreciate it. Of course. And for those who um, didn't hear at the beginning, we're talking with Rachel Camarillo, founding member and board chair of Women in Manufacturing, the Washington chapter. So, Rachel, have a great rest of your day, and we will have to talk with you again soon. Thank you. You too. Goodbye, everybody. Thank you. Wow. Oh my gosh, when I said Ray of Sunshine, that is the best way to describe Rachel. She is just a phenomenal human. And especially if you're up in the Washington area, in the Seattle um, specific area, you have to check out this group. They're phenomenal. So that about does it for the show for us today. That does it, but I feel more energized than I did when we started. Right? <laughs> I know. <laughs> so uh, everyone have a great rest of your week. We'll talk with you next Monday. And remember, Mavericks, we just don't run with the herd. <laughs>